Open your Bibles to 3 John. Open your Bibles up to 3 John. We've been studying the letters of John this semester, uh, beginning in January. We've just kind of been walking through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Uh, tonight we're looking at 3 John. And uh, as we conclude this study of the letters of John. So let me give you a little bit about 3 John. It's a little bit different from 1 John and from 2 John. They're three separate letters. Uh, 3 John is actually the shortest book in the Bible. We looked at its what's known as its twin uh, last week at 2 John, which has 245 words in Greek. It's basically almost like you've got a postcard and he just wrote on it. Well, that's basically the same thing we see in 3 John. 3 John has 219 words. It's a really short Letter. It's the shortest letter in the Bible. The letter of 3 John, if you look in verse 1, you see it was written to the beloved Gaius, to a man named Gaius. Some of the New Testament epistles, some of the letters were written to just people. Uh, we have uh, First and Second Corinthians were written to the believers at Corinth, the Corinthians. You have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. These are different churches. But then you have letters like First and Second Timothy, where Paul wrote to Timothy. He wrote to Titus. He wrote to Philemon. And so we have also here Third John. John wrote to a man named Gaius. This might have been. This might have been. Scholars think this might have been the last book written in the New Testament. So after John left the island of Patmos and he was there and we believe that's where he wrote Revelation. And after this, between 80, 80, A.D. 80 and A.D. 90, we believe that John wrote this letter. Third John is similar to Second John, yet there are some important differences between these two letters that are actually really beneficial to us to look at. Uh, both of these letters, and as we see even in First John, they focus on uh, faithfully walking according to the truth. So if you look back and you remember First John, we looked at uh, several themes that were throughout this book of, uh, that you see right here on the screen. You know, walking in truth and obedience and faithfulness and in love. John just over and over again intertwined these themes throughout the letter of First John. And then he touches on them again in Second John, and we see the same, the same idea carry over to Third John. But really focusing on walking according to the truth. And this brought, this brought John Drake great joy to see other believers walking according to the truth. Believers that he considered his spiritual children. These are, these are people he had probably led to Christ. People who he had kind of fathered spiritually uh, throughout their Christian life. And so when he heard of them walking according to the truth, it brought them great joy. Second John, if you remember from last week... Uh, toward the end of the letter, John talked about who not to show hospitality toward. You know, we talked about those who were coming in and spreading false teaching. John said, don't welcome them. Don't have anything to do with them. Because if you support them, you're partaking in their evil works. And so John was saying, hey, these, these, it's not like the hospitality of what we think of or where you know, we might let somebody come stay with us or we might help others out. It's back in, back in what we see in the Bible time in the ancient world, as traveling preachers would go and they were ministering, False teachers and, and true preachers are like they're going. They relied on other people to support them and to, to where they could stay, where they could eat and do things like that. And so in Second John, John is saying those guys who are spreading false teachings about Christ, don't let them don't give them food. Don't give them a place to stay because you're helping them as they're advancing their ministry. But here in third John, we see just the opposite of, of we see examples of those who are coming and they are being faithful to the truth. And John is encouraging 
to, uh, he is encouraging the believers to show hospitality to one another and to the ones who are coming. And so 3 John can be outlined, if you look, around three men. And really, if you, can, if you consider John as one of those men, four. But there's three men mentioned in this letter who serve as really examples of, of what Christians ought to be and ought not to be. And so these three men, if you see right at the beginning, verse 1, Gaius. And then you see in verse 9, a man named Diotrephus. And then we see in verse 12, a man named Demetrius. So we're going to look at these three men and kind of who they were. What was going on with them? Why John wrote this letter to them? And some things that we can learn from this. So pray with me as we uh, get ready to read God's word and, and look at it a little bit. Lord, as we come before you, as we come before your word, God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful you give us your word so that we can know you, so that we can uh, profit from it. God, your word is, it is inspired. It is, it is breathed out by you. It is profitable for teaching, for correcting, for for rebuke, for training in righteousness. And so, God, I pray that you would do all that. You would edify us. You would strengthen us in our faith. You would, you would bring faith to those who need it. God, you would just have your way among your word. And, God, just let your word just take, let it dwell so richly within us. And, God, help us to transform our lives to be more like you. Would you transform our minds, renew our minds into, into Christ's likeness so that we live for you and for you alone. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Read with me the letter of 3 John. Verse 1. The elder to the blood of Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony And you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would not, I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. So we're going to primarily look at these three men that we see in this letter. Kind of who they were and some examples that we need to follow and some examples that we don't need to follow. And so the first man we're introduced to is a man named Gaius, the recipient of this letter. We see that in verse 1. So Gaius, he was a faithful servant for the truth. Gaius was a faithful servant for the truth. What are some things that we learn about Gaius? Well, Gaius walked according to the truth. You see that in verse 3 and 4. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. 
And then John expresses his joy for his children walking in the truth. So Gaius walked according to the truth. When you think about truth, truth is not, we've talked a lot about truth this semester. Truth is not merely just an idea. It's not just an abstract concept. It's not just merely an idea, but it's something to be lived. You, You live out truth. Christians are to live out truth. And Gaius certainly believed the truth because it affected the way he lived. He was walking in the truth. And John found great joy in this. Gaius was John's spiritual child. He most likely led Gaius to Christ, to faith in Christ. He says, you are my spiritual children. Talking about his spiritual children. He has great joy to hear that his children. It's not talking about his biological children, but his his children in the faith. And so really, in a sense, you guys are my spiritual children. In a sense, I'm I'm pastoring you, I'm I'm leading you, I'm kind of shepherding, pouring into your lives the Word of God, not just my thoughts, not just my opinions, but, but God's. And so, my joy comes from you walking in the truth. My goal is not just to provide something for you to do on Wednesday nights. That's not the goal of us having youth. It's not just to give you an alternative like, oh, well, I can go to this or this or just a, something fun to do. Or it's not just a place where you can come together. It's not just a safe place to come hang out. That's not the goal of this. The goal is my desire is to pour into your lives the word of God so that you know the truth and that you live according to the truth. That is my desire. That's John's desire as a pastor. He wanted to see his children. He wanted to see other Christians who he was pouring into walking in the truth. And that's my desire for you. For more than anything, I want to see you living your life, worshiping God, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and walking in the truth. So we see Gaius, he walked according to the truth. Something else we see about Gaius is that he supported the missionary efforts of others. He supported the missionary efforts of others. Look in verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And then he tells what they're doing. They have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Then he encourages the support. We, we ought to support people like this. So guys, he supported the missionary efforts of others. Gaius was more concerned with the gospel advancement than he was with the familiarity of of what was going on and who was doing it. And so we see that because, look, the guys who were coming to him, they were strangers. You see that in the end of verse 5. Strangers as they are. He didn't necessarily know these guys. He didn't know who these people were coming, but they had one common ground, and it was the gospel. It was the gospel, the truth of Christ. And so... John was encouraging him, hey, what you're doing is a faithful thing that you're doing. It's a good thing you're doing that. These people who are coming to you and are trying to spread the gospel among you, you're you're helping them, you're encouraging them, your efforts are are good. That's a good thing to do. John commends Gaius for his support for these traveling preachers or these missionaries who were faithful to the truth. He received them. He showed hospitality to them. You know, 2 John, I mentioned earlier, it's like, don't the guys who are not being faithful to the truth of Christ don't don't support them. But we see here that for those who were being faithful to the truth of the gospel, we're to support them. And John and Gaius was doing that. And John commends his effort for that. Good job, Gaius. Keep it up. He didn't know these people. 
but they had their common ground in the gospel. And think about this. This is why we can go on missionary trips. This is why we can go on mission trips to, to I'm leaving in two weeks to go to Portugal for 10 days. Taking some college students, we're going to Portugal to work with the pastor there to spread the gospel in the community. I've never met this pastor in my life. I don't, I don't know anything about him really. I know his name. I know he's got a wife. I know he lives in Portugal. That's, that's, I know he's a pastor of a church. I mean, I know very little about him. But we're going and he's welcoming us, welcoming us. And we are able to go and to serve and to assist us and be welcomed because we have common ground in the gospel. The gospel unites us. This is how we can have mission partners in, in South Asia, in Ecuador, in Portugal, in, in all over the world. It's because of the gospel. We may not know these people, but if we have common work in the gospel for the advancement of the truth of Christ, we can work together. And it is a good thing. We can work with brothers and sisters in Christ because of our commonality in the gospel. This is why you as Christians have more in common with other Christians than maybe your own family members who do not know Christ. There's something about the unity that we have in Christ that is just so wonderful and so great. And even if we don't really know each other well, we find common ground in the gospel. And verse 8 kind of summarizes this, this little section of verses about Gaius, the main idea of this section, that we should support people like this. We should support the work of faithful people who are, who are faithful servants of God, who, who work for the spread of the gospel, who work for truth. And in doing so, we become fellow workers with them. That's the end of verse 8. So think about it. This is why we go on mission trips. This is why in November every year we give, for, we give a big missions offering. We take up a big missions offering and give to the International Mission Board, to NAM, the North American Mission Board. We give to different people, different missionaries. We, we give. We give money. We send people. We give supplies. As we, we are working together to advance the gospel. We should support people who are being faithful to serve the Lord and to advance the gospel. We shouldn't you know, not get involved. We need to get involved and help these people and serve alongside them. But then we see a complete contrast with this man named Diotrephus. A man named Diotrephus. He was a prideful opponent to the truth. Where we have a faithful servant, now we have a prideful opponent to the truth. And unfortunately, very sadly, very unfortunately, there are people in the church, people in churches, who oppose spiritual authority that God has given to pastors, that God has given to certain people. And they want to do things their own way. And in doing so, they disrupt the faithful work of the gospel in the church. And that's what this man, Diotrephus, was doing. Look at verse 9. He said, I, John said, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Diotrephus serves an example. He put himself first. Diotrephus puts himself first. This man was prideful. He stood in the way of the work that was being done for the advancement of the gospel. John had written something for the church, and he had something for the church that they needed to read. Probably to instruct them, to encourage them. But Diotrephus ignored them. Being prideful, he placed his own interests and preferences first. 
He had a kind of the mindset of, oh, well, since I didn't come up with that, we're just going to ignore it. I'm not going to do it. He had this kind of mentality. And his pride was hindering the church from gospel work. If you remember in Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote to the Philippian church, hey, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. And then he goes on to give the example of Christ and his humility. How Christ, he humbled himself by laying his life down on the cross for us. And this is the example we're to follow. Diotrephus was not doing this. He was putting himself first. He was placing himself in a position that he should have not done so. He was being prideful. He was putting himself first. And this led to an arrogance toward apostolic authority. Diotrephus was arrogant towards apostolic authority. John had a certain authority from God that God had given him. He was one of the twelve. This is the Apostle John. This is the one who was with Jesus. This is the one who was, he was one of the twelve. And he was one of the three. You know, when you read about Peter, James, and John, how they were always going with Jesus, that's John who wrote this letter. This was John who outran Peter to the tomb. He got there first to go look in. He was, an, he was the only disciple that was there at the foot of the cross. He was one who had been by Jesus' side. He was faithful. He was walking with Jesus. And he had been given by Christ a certain authority. And Diotrephus was like, nah, I don't, I don't accept that. I reject that. He felt as if John had nothing to offer the church. John, you're, you're an old man now. Your wisdom, it's not useful for us anymore. It's out of date. It's old fashioned. It's just get with the times, man. You're old news. I'm a new guy in town kind of mentality. We see a lot of that today, especially with younger people, us, and even a little bit older than me, we see a lot of just rejection of authority. You know what? You old people, let's get out of the way and let the young guys step in. Let the, let the new ideas in. Get, the, get this old stuff out. That was the kind of mindset, this arrogant mindset that Diotrephus had toward apostolic authority. He rejected the authority that God had given to John. And his pride led him to this. His pride led him to this arrogance where he rejected this authority. He had, no understand, he had very little understanding of, of the spiritual authority that, that John had. And so this pride leads to, this prideful attitude leads to arrogance toward his authority. And we see it continues. It just keeps getting worse. Diotrephus, if you look in verse 10, so if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing. What was he doing? It led to him talking wicked nonsense or malicious words against John and those with him. He was talking wicked nonsense against us. He slandered those who agreed with the truth. This isn't a man outside the church. This isn't some heathen that's just causing problems outside the doors of the church. This was a man in the church who was causing trouble and he was standing in opposition. He was slandering the name of those who were trying to proclaim the truth. His pride led to this arrogance of behavior toward John. His pride, being full of himself, led toward an arrogance toward other people. And it led to him slandering those other people who were faithfully serving God by advancing the truth. Diotrephus was talking wicked nonsense, just making up a bunch of stuff, slandering the name of John and others who were trying to serve the Lord faithfully. Maybe you're like me. I've, I've had people say that I'm doing things and I'm not. And maybe you've had people talk, kind of slander your name a little bit. 
Kind of just, oh, well, did you see so, so-and-so's doing this? And sometimes it's a blatant lie. And sometimes they're just trying to, they're just dragging your name through the mud. They're just like, oh, just slandering your name. That's what this man was doing. And it's a shame because this man was in the church. This man apparently was some kind of leader because we see later on that he was putting people out of the church. So people obviously respected him in, in some sense. This was someone who was just causing a lot of division in the church. He was determined to get his way. He was, he was determined. Nope, I'm not taking any outside help. I'm going to do things my way. I'm, this, is, this is how it's going to be. And he was determined to have that mindset, even if it meant slandering other people who were faithfully serving the Lord. Even if it meant lying about people who were faithfully serving the Lord. He slandered those who agreed with truth. And then we see Diotrephus resisted the faithful servants of God. If you continue on in verse 10, he wasn't just content with talking bad about them. It wasn't, he, he wasn't just talking a big talk, just slandering people's names. He was actually doing something about it. He resisted them. He resisted the faithful servants of God. He refused to welcome the brothers. Look at that. And not content with that, not content with just slandering, with just talking nonsense, he refuses to welcome the brothers. So those, those traveling preachers, those missionaries who were coming around and were faithfully serving the Lord, who were, who were advancing the truth of the gospel, he wasn't just talking bad about them. He was not accepting them. He was saying, I'm not having nothing to do with you. You're not welcome here. Get out of the way. Go away. That's basically what he was saying. And he also stops those who want, who want to. So those people who are like, hey, man, Dodgers, these, these guys are... They're being faithful to the truth. They're proclaiming the Word of God. They're, they're sharing the Gospel. It's, it's faithful to the truth. He's saying, oh, you're with them too? Get out. I, 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 I don't receive you either. He's putting them out of the church. He was resisting those who were trying to come and advance the Gospel. And anybody who was trying to agree with that, saying, hey, let these guys in. They're, they're being good servants of the Gospel. They're, they're sticking to the truth. They're being faithful. He said, oh, you think they're being faithful? Get out of the church. You're done. I don't want anything to do with you guys. That's what this man was doing. This is certainly not the type of Christian you want to be. And scholars debate whether this man was a Christian just very wrapped up in pride or whether he was a false teacher or just preferred them. Either case, this guy was just not the example of how a church member should be, how a Christian should be. If anybody disagreed with him, they were kicked out. He had this ownership mentality of church. And that's, that's not something that's just foreign to churches today. For Hillcrest, for any other church around here, for churches around the world, there are people who have an ownership mentality. He may have been a man who was, I've been here my whole life. I know, what I, I know what's best for this church. Or I've, I've done all this service. I get to say so. So that's not the kind of mentality we should have because we see what happens when that happens is that it leads to a resistance of those who are trying to be faithful to the Lord and serve Him in truth. And John wasn't just going to ignore it. You see that, John, at the beginning of verse 10? So if I come, he was, ho- he was planning to come, he hoped to come to this church. He said, so if I come... I'm going to bring up what he's doing. I'm not just going to just stand away and just go, oh, man, I hope Diotrephus, I hope he just gets his act together. No, John said, if I come to you, I'm going to call him out and I'm going to bring up what he's doing. 
This is nothing to play around with. I'm going to call him out and bring up what he was doing. He was ready to confront him face to face. It wasn't just like a, let's just sweep that under the rug. Let's just turn our backs and ignore it and hope the problem goes away. No, that's not at all what he was doing. Why? Why was he going to bring it up? Why bring up confrontation? Man, just leave the guy alone. Just, just strive for unity. Just, just don't touch it and maybe it'll go away. You know, it's like a, it's like a pimple. You're like, I just need to pop it. And like, well, just leave it alone and go away. No, just get rid of it, right? So I'm sure, I don't know, just a weird example I just thought of. But like this was what this man was doing. Causing problems, causing divisions. It's not something you can just look away from. He did, the, John had to address it. This kind of behavior is unacceptable in the church of God. Behavior like this, being full of pride, being arrogant, stopping those who are being faithful to the Lord, that, that behavior is unacceptable in the church of God. And so, so far we've seen very, two very different examples one who was faithfully serving the Lord, welcoming those who were doing the same and trying to partner with them, serve the Lord together and advancing the gospel. And you got a man who was resisting that, who was standing in the way, saying, you know what, I don't care. This is, I, I'm in charge here. It's two very different examples. Gaius was a faithful servant of Christ. He was focused on advancing the gospel and supporting those who were doing so. And Diotrephus was an opponent who stood in the way. He was focused on himself. And he was an obstacle for those trying to advance the gospel. And then in verse 11, John says, Beloved, going back, talking to Gaius, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. It's a challenge for him. Hey, I know Diotrephus, he's, he's doing evil things. Don't stoop down to his level. Do what is right. Do what is good. And that is very practical application for us. When others do you evil, what are you to do? If someone punches you, what are you to do? You punch them right back. Well, it depends on the situation, I would say. But if someone is being evil, are you to be evil back to get back at them? And maybe they'll stop, try to be worse than them, so they'll go, okay, maybe I need to back up. No. Always do what is good. Pursue good over evil. This is the testimony of Demetrius. This man, he was a faithful testimony of the truth. Demetrius was the third man mentioned. He was a faithful testimony of the truth. And John is challenging Gaius to, to pursue good over evil. And this certainly has to do with the behavior of Diotrephus. He just talked about it and he's just challenging Gaius, man, don't, don't stoop down to his level. Do what is good. For whoever does what is good... It's from God. Whoever does what is evil hasn't seen God. Christians are to pursue what is good over evil. And when you look at verse 11, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. I've mentioned this several times, but that doesn't mean that if you do good, you can earn salvation. That you are from God because you do good. No, no, no. But it's the result. We're not saved because of the good in us. Because we have no good in us. There's nothing good about us. Romans 3 makes that very clear. There's no one who does good. No, not one. No one seeks after God. We all do what we want to do. We all pursue evil. We all pursue selfishness. Doing good does not earn salvation, but it does result from salvation. 
When Christ changes a life, saves a life, He produces good works. Ephesians 2, 8-10, we're saved by grace, through faith, for good works. In verse 9 in there, it says that it's not a result of our works. It's not a result of anything we do so that no one can boast. It's only what God has done in us. So we're to pursue good. We do good, but not to earn salvation, but because Christ has changed us. John is telling Gaius, hey, you're a faithful servant of the Lord. I can see it in your life. Keep it up. Do what is good because of Christ, how Christ has changed you. I mentioned this last week, but how we live reveals what we truly believe. How we live reveals what we truly believe. Those who do good belong to God. Again, it's not earning salvation. But those who do good, you can look at it as John looked at Gaius' life. Man, I'm rejoicing because you're walking the truth. I know you know the truth because I can look at your life and see the fruit of your life. It is good. You're doing good works. And I know that that is a result of the salvation you have in Christ. Those who do evil do not have the saving knowledge of God and therefore they do what is evil. Again, we don't earn it. But the fruit of our lives make it very evident whether we are saved or not. Are you pursuing selfishness as Diotrephus was? Or are you being humble and faithfully serving the Lord like Gaius? So we see this command and this challenge to pursue good over evil, but also to follow godly examples. Follow godly examples. And we see this man named Demetrius. He's talking about imitating good and doing good. And then he mentions a man named Demetrius. Demetrius. Demetrius is probably the man who brought this letter to Gaius. Usually toward the end of a letter in the New Testament, if you read them, uh, there's a mention about the man or the person who, who brought, kind of the courier who brought the letter and delivered the letter. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, this is, this is who brought this letter. They're faithful. They're trustworthy. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to this. And so Demetrius is probably the man that brought this letter to Gaius. And, and John's mention of him also served as a trustworthy testimony for him. If you look at verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also add our testimony. Talking about John and those with him. And you know that our testimony is true. <clears throat> Demetrius was a godly example of a Christian walking according to to the truth. And there were, there were three witnesses to his testimony, to this good testimony of Demetrius. We see that in verse 12. Has received a good testimony from everyone. Everyone knew of his witness. From the truth itself, the truth itself testified to Demetrius, and John and those with him also bore testimony to this man. And because of his testimony, it's obvious that Demetrius had conformed his life to the gospel and he lived according to the truth. He wasn't filled with pride. He wasn't filled with selfishness. But he had conformed his life to the gospel. He was walking faithfully in the truth. And he was, worthy, he was someone worthy of imitating. He was someone that John was confident to say, look at this guy. This is a good testimony. This is an example. He's talking about imitating good and not evil. And then he mentions this man. That's very close to saying, hey, this is a good man. This is a good godly man you need to imitate. John can look at Demetrius and say, live like this guy. Live like someone whose life is conformed to the gospel. Live like someone who is walking in the truth. These are the kind of people 
worth following. And I'll, let me ask that about you. Could, could, your, could anybody really look at you and say, hey, follow, follow this person. They love the Lord and they're walking in the truth. This is, this is a godly example. When I think of a godly teenager, this is who I think of. Can that describe your life? When other people think of you, do they, do they see you walking with the Lord? Do they see you living in the truth? As we close this letter, as we close this series, four themes have been highlighted throughout this, this whole series, as I mentioned at the beginning. Walking in truth. Walking in faithfulness to God. In obedience to God's commands. And in love for God and for others. In this third letter that John wrote, he instructs believers how we are to relate to those who are working to advance the gospel. He commends the effort of Gaius. He says, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good thing working alongside these believers who are going and advancing the gospel. They're staying faithful to the truth. And so for us, we're to partner alongside people who are being faithful to advance the truth of the gospel. Even if we face opposition in doing that. Guys were certainly facing opposition as these, these guys probably went to the same church. They went to the same church. They were part of the same body of believers. And Diotrephus was standing in the way, not letting these people in, kicking people out of the church who were trying to be faithful to the truth. Even if it means we stand in opposition, we're to look to serve those who are being faithful to the truth. We're to imitate good. We're not to retaliate with evil, but we're to imitate what is good and look for godly examples of who to follow. John was a caring and loving pastor who is deeply concerned with the life of the believers in the church. And his letters provide instruction, correction, assurance, and warning for believers in the life of the church. So I, I, I view you kind of in the same way that John viewed these believers to who he was writing to throughout these letters. All these different believers. This isn't, for John, it wasn't just a job. It wasn't just something he was responsible. He cared about these people. He loved these people and he was concerned with how they were living. And the same goes for me. I, I love you guys. I love the people of Hillcrest Baptist Church. Not just you, but all the people of Hillcrest. This isn't just a job for me. This isn't just something to do for me. This isn't just, you aren't just a group of people. This isn't just a Wednesday night activity for me to hang out with, just to have something to do. This isn't just a place we come to just because we have nothing else to do. I deeply care about you. I care about your souls. I want to see you walking faithfully with the Lord. I want to see this church walking faithfully with the Lord. That is, that is, that is what I, brings me joy. As John found so much joy as believers are walking in the truth, it brings me joy when people are walking in the truth and they're baptized. They're saved. They're baptized. They're being faithful to God. It brings me joy. And so know that. As we're concluding this series, I, I just want to challenge you to walk faithfully with the Lord. Not just so I'll be joy, joyful, but so that you will know the Lord. You can, that your joy may be complete. That you know the Lord. You have fellowship with Him. As John wrote the very first of his first letter. So as you go out tonight, as you're finishing this school year, as you're getting ready for summer, don't just cruise, don't just give up and kind of coast and enjoy yourself this summer. Yes, take time to rest, take time for enjoyment. 
But walk faithfully with the Lord and seek to advance the gospel in all that you do.